Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast, bringing you the latest updates from the world of sports, gambling, and pop culture, because you can't have a show without hot takes or a Tiger King meme these days. Know what I'm saying? Now, with over 200 episodes and ready to get after it again, here's your host, Dwayne Callender. Okay, got a lot to get into and to discuss uh, just because I keep getting questions and feedback and folks wanting to know what's going on. So uh, getting right into it with MLB, people surprised that the Rays were eliminated by the Red Sox and talking about this is a sign that analytics don't work. Here's the thing, and I keep saying this and people just don't get the point I'm getting at. The analytics is a tool, but there still has to be some application as to how you're going about with uh, the uh, the application of the analytics. The Rays lost their chance at the World Series last year and lost this series to the Red Sox based on trying to treat playoff games like regular season baseball. I don't care what anyone says about how many times it's worked over the course of a season. Playoff baseball is still going to be different. Guys approach it differently in terms of intensity level. So bringing in a guy cold is just always a risk because you don't quite know what he's going to have. And what happened to the Rays is that they continued to bring in relievers in high leverage spots and deplete their own bullpen, which is one of their strengths, and turned it into a weakness because they kept pulling starters so early in that series against the Red Sox. And Boston, to their credit, their bats finally woke up in that series. I don't know if it's going to continue into this series against Houston, and we'll talk about that series because I, 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 I have some commentary about the White Sox in general. But, you know, in terms of what uh, uh, what you kind of have on hand here is the fact that, you know, the Rays, even to their elimination game, you pull Colin McHugh after two scoreless innings where he cruised to bring in McClanahan for no good reason because McClanahan was supposed to be the Game 5 starter. Why are you bringing him in for Game 4? You don't have a Game 5 starter. If you were on the ropes and it was high leverage spot and you got multiple runners on and you're saying the season's on the line, okay, I get it. But McHugh was cruising through that game through the first round of batters. He hadn't even gone through the order yet and you pulled him. It doesn't make any sense doing it at that stage because you need all the bullets in your gun 
to get stave off elimination. And the problem is, once you go to McClanahan, you kind of have to let him go because if you take him out, then you stretch your relief uh, core even further because then you burnt your game five starter and you got to burn through your relievers. That's why it, it didn't make any sense why Kevin Cash and the Rays went that route. I, I I can make a case that, okay, maybe you didn't believe in McHugh uh, long-term, so you're going to pull him after three innings or four innings, fine. I, I get it. You go through one time through the order, and then you you hope for the best uh, because you don't want your season relying on McHugh getting through an order, uh, batting order twice when he hadn't started all that much this year. Fine. But to pull him before he even gets through one round of order after two innings, you're only in the third inning. It, it just mind-bogglingly absurd. And, again, the analytics may have said McClanahan matches up well against uh, the hitters who are coming up, but McClanahan hadn't pitched all that much. And the White Sox actually did the exact same thing with uh, Kopech as well. Uh, And, again, I'm jumping ahead, but it's you have these weird uh, bullpen decisions being made by teams in elimination games, and... You know, it just didn't make any sense. So, no, it's not a sign that analytics don't work. It's just that the application didn't work. The Red Sox use plenty of analytics on their own, too. So, it's not as though it's uh, the fact that uh, analytics lost out to traditional baseball. No, the Red Sox use analytics, too. They just apply, they value different uh, aspects of the game than the Rays do. The Rays are much more predicated on bullpen usage and having flexibility in their starting rotation and pitching and having the bullpen uh, be almost as uh, throwing as many innings as their starters. I don't agree with it, but that's what their analytics and their statistical models are telling them is the best way to win baseball games. My whole point is, yes, that might get you through in certain spots, but in very condensed uh, packages, it's not always going to translate. And, yes, we've had teams win World Series with mostly bullpen. Uh, I remember that Cards team that I thought was complete trash <laughs> uh, uh, in, the, I believe it was the 2013 season, if I have it correctly. Or, wait, was that 2011 or 2013? Oh, man. My, my, my brain is uh, starting to fail me. I think it's 2011 was the Cards team. I think 2013 was Boston. Yeah, I think 2011. Yeah, 2011 was that Cards team where they really just relied a lot on their bullpen and hoped their starters made it through five innings. Even uh, KC, to a certain extent, was uh, a bullpen-dependent team. But the Rays are taking it to an entirely different spectrum of leverage where you're going full tilt, where you don't even have starters. You basically have glorified relief pitchers. And I know you didn't have Tyler Glass now this go around, but don't tell me you weren't gonna pull Tyler Glass now when you pulled Blake Snell too early. But like you've already revealed your hand that you don't value the starting pitching nearly as much as other teams do. So Boston advances, and they're gonna be uh, facing off in a rematch in the ALCS with Houston, uh, uh, where the last time Boston faced off, uh, he's in the ALCS. They went on the world uh, win the World Series uh, back in 2018. This go around, you got a Astros team, not nearly as strong as they've been in the past uh, without Verlander, 
but they're still getting it done because they are hitting the ball because they're hitting fastballs. They're hitting fastballs, and it was the weakness of this White Sox staff that was very predicated because uh, you got Lance Lynn, you got uh, uh, Lucas Giolito, uh, you got a ton of just fastball pitchers. It, it was actually one of those series where I, I'd almost say that you kind of needed to have most likely as much as uh, I hate <laughs> I hate watching him as a pitcher. So at the end of the day, I can say that while the Rays did not win the World Series, they, again, uh, won way more than people actually thought they would. I, I thought that... Uh, even I didn't think they win as many games as they did uh, to win the East at handily, but they still exceeded expectations. I know people want to say, oh, it's a, it's a failure to win a World Series. If you look at that Rays roster, realistically, you'd say to yourself, how are they supposed to win the World Series? And yet still, they managed to keep uh, finding ways of uh, taking uh, small advantages here and there throughout the year to get to the point where they were. And again... It's still razor thin with some of these playoff games. So I always say this with the Yankees. The reason why you get your derriere handed to you by the Rays is the fact that they built it to circumvent all the flaws your team has. Boston has fewer flaws than the Yankees do, but Boston has their flaws, especially with that bullpen. But their bats were alive long enough and a small sample size to beat the Rays. Over the course of the year, the Rays were the better team. Boston got the better, better room in the small sample size. And I know folks are going to say, well, doesn't that mean the Yankees would have had a chance against the Rays? Not really, because, again, the issues with the Yankees are so glaring with the lineup that cannot hit. They take walks because they work the count, but they don't swing at pitches that you should be able to drive because... They're looking for the perfect pitch to launch for a bomb. The Red Sox aren't doing that uh, that approach at the plate. Neither are the Astros. Those teams are hitting. And that's why they're playing in the ALCS. The Rays were hitting, but like I said, the Rays issue, and I think it's just a flaw with them, is just applying uh, their model to the extreme in every single situation. I don't necessarily agree with it. I think you have to bear in mind context in certain regards, but they don't, they don't necessarily view it that way. Maybe they will down the road, but for right now, they, uh, they played, uh, played the style that they wanted to do and they lost the way that they wanted to go out. I mean, Hey, at the end of the day, you know, that's something you you have to kind of live with. And that's, that's the way they chose to go out. Uh, you, you 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 went out playing the exact same style that you've done all year long. There's something to be said for that. Now on the White Sox side, the White Sox made a big deal about bringing in Tony Larusa as the manager because of his years of experience in the MLB. And I questioned this from the jump because Larusa had been out of the game for so long that how exactly was he bringing anything new to the table? And we saw it throughout the year. He had nothing new to offer this White Sox club. If And if anything, he was the anchor on the team that kept dragging the White Sox into ridiculous feuds over 
what's right for the game, what's wrong for the game, instead of just playing the game and angering his own roster. You mean Mercedes is not even on the roster for the playoffs when he's one of their best hitters because Tony LaRusso ran him off. It, it, it is beyond idiotic. So, yes, the, the White Sox had a very good offense this year. They had a decent enough pitching staff. They ran against a team in the Astros that's very experienced and are better uh, hitters in the playoffs that they are ready for it. Just a little bit more than the White Sox were. And guess what? Not having that extra bat in Mercedes, I think it, it, it is was a, it was a miss. I'm just saying. It was like the White Sox had plenty of offense, but they still were not at full strength. I'm just saying. So, at the end of the day, uh, yeah, you had some bizarre bullpen decision while, with Michael Kopech uh, uh, pitching in... The siding game, even though he had not been used in the bullpen in that role all season long, it's just bizarre. Really bizarre. And the fact that they're saying they're going to bring him back, I I laugh at because I laugh at it the same way I laugh at uh, the Yankees uh, uh, possibly bringing back Boone. Uh, The Boone situation is just because of the fact that the Yankees don't want to admit that they they screwed up. They're, they're, They're throwing all the players under the bus. Uh, bottom line uh, for why the Yankees sucked this year. And, you know, <laughs> I, I laugh because it, it, the Yankees are going right back down into the dumpster uh, again because of the fact that they don't want to acknowledge their issues. Maybe they, they, they'll they'll address it in free agency. I doubt it. They're not going to address uh, their internal issues because – Obviously, Cashman and that uh, organizational staff are still staying in place. They're, they know no manager is going to put up with uh, the stuff that uh, Cashman and company get away with dictating to Boone. So, most likely scenario is Boone coming back because the Yankees organization as a whole doesn't want to change. A lot of similar issues going on with the White Sox. They have a talent enough roster and they just want to run it back. And the thing is, by admitting to a mistake by bringing in Larusa, uh, they kind of open themselves up to criticism. So, how do you avoid uh, accepting criticism? You run it back and 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 not quit on the experiment after one year and say you made a mistake. It is so hard for some of these teams just to acknowledge that they effed up. It, they just don't like doing it, which is why. As I segue into this story, is the John Gruden situation. So for anyone who was uh, missing out on the news the last uh, week or so, John Gruden, uh, the now former head coach of the Las Vegas uh, Raiders, got caught up in a scandal that had nothing to do with the Raiders in particular. It has to do with the uh, an ongoing investigation of workplace uh, discrimination and uh, sexism exhibited by the Washington football team towards employees. And as part of the investigation, uh, there was a subpoena for the email records of the team, amongst which there was a correspondence between Gruden, who was then working for ESPN back in 
2010 and 2011 and the president of the uh, Washington at that time, Bruce Allen. Now, this is part of an ongoing legal investigation. What is clear from uh, what happened uh, with the leak of the emails uh, that contained language where uh, Gruden used uh, a racist description of the NFL Players Association, Demore Smith, uh, uh, who is uh, uh, who is black. Uh, he used uh, homophobic language. He uh, discriminated against a, a female a referee. Uh, uh, basically called uh, the commissioner and a couple other folks within the NFL a word that rhymes with wussy and a number of things that you should not be corresponding with on official uh, workplace emails and amongst which Bruce Allen was also sending Gruden photos of the Washington cheerleaders topless. Uh, uh, there's a whole number of things that were going on in Washington. And I mean, suffice for me to say, this is just the tip of the iceberg, but me personally, when these stories were coming out that they were forcing the cheerleaders to act as escorts. I mean, it's a lot of stuff that was going down with, uh, Washington that, uh, Daniel Snyder, the owner of the team, Basically, had the cheerleaders uh, sign non-disclosure agreements, uh, and along with hush money to keep them quiet. But for all intents and purposes, uh, we had a professional team running an escort service. That—that's really the truth of the matter of what's going on. Amongst other uh, workplace discrimination issues, they had that going on. But regardless, there's an ongoing investigation, and somehow these emails. Uh, from Gruden get leaked. And of course it's going to be a firestorm because Gruden is the face of the Raiders. He has to be the representative of the brand. And obviously uh, there's also the news that, uh, that came out earlier this year that uh, he has the first openly gay player on an active NFL roster, Carl Nassib on his team. So all told, the language against the LGBTQ community, amongst other things, is pretty much untenable for Gruden to hold on to his job. Now, what I would say, though, is that someone in the NFL leaked those emails to the Wall Street Journal. Those emails don't get out on their own because there's plenty of stuff from the Washington football team that has not been released at all as part of the investigation. Someone within the NFL was pissed off with Gruden that he aggravated that had an ax to grind that leaked those emails. And I'm sure it's probably Roger Goodell, the commissioner of the NFL who gave the go ahead to leak the emails. You cannot tell me that somehow all of the dirty laundry on John Gruden gets leaked that the NFL didn't know about. The NFL knew about it. And Roger Goodell is extremely petty and had an axe to grind with Gruden once he found out what was going on in some of those emails. Now, it's one thing that you hear it in passing. It's another thing that's put in writing and you know you can put the screws to a guy. So while do I think that John Gruden is a piece of you-know-what? Yeah, 
because he's always been phony. It's always been part of the shtick. I, I don't understand how people could be shocked that John Gruden might quite possibly be uh, prejudiced and racist. I, I don't understand how people could be shocked by that. Everyone's actually surprised that they that he said this language. He's been a football coach for many years, and it's not as though he's made uh he's been uh quiet about some of the things that he believes. I, I'll just leave it at that. It's it's not I don't think it was that much of a secret, but folks are acting shocked for the sake of being shocked, but uh realistically ESPN knew what they had on their hands in Gruden and didn't care because he moved the needle in terms of ratings and attention. And the Raiders certainly didn't care because uh, Mark Davis, when asked about why they let Gruden go, he said, ask the NFL, they have all the answers. So that tells you all you need to know that he didn't want to fire Gruden. The NFL basically made him fire Gruden after, of course, uh, they leaked the emails to make him look bad. But uh, do I think Gruden deserved to lose his job solely over those emails? Not necessarily. Uh, I, I think that that's one of those where it's like, you know, you have to put them through uh, the course training uh, to be more respectful. But the thing that lost Gruden his job the most is not because of the emails. And I, he, 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 he was probably sunk anyway because of the emails. But the number one thing that sunk Gruden was his explanation as to what was going on, saying that, you know, I'm embarrassed by the emails but there's not a racist bone in my body. Anytime someone speaks in absolutes like that, you know they're full of it. And as soon as that initial email about DeMore Smith got leaked, Gruden had to know there was more stuff on him coming. And he needed to get out in front of it and basically say, you know what, I'm not proud of my past. I've done a lot of bad things. You know, do all the token words. Even if, even if you don't believe it, do the song and dance. Say uh, say you're gonna make a, a make yourself a better person, and you know go go through the necessary uh, training, uh, uh, sensitivity training, and whatnot. And take a step away from the team, and you probably could have saved your job. But by going on the almost attack of saying, you know what, that's not me. That's not who I am. I'm not a racist. You you basically set yourself up for failure because the NFL was waiting for you to make that ridiculous comment. Instead of getting out in front of it, you just said, I'm not a racist. But then they released all the other stuff to make sure they pinned you to the wall. They were giddy uh, that you you probably made that. It, to me, it was the equivalent of uh, the Rafael Palmero. I have never taken steroids uh, in front of Congress while doing the finger wag, then getting popped for a, a, a violation of steroids right after that. It was the most ridiculous thing. But that's what the Gruden uh, testimonial on Sunday did, followed by the email, uh, further email release from the NFL just to put the screws to him. Because that's exactly what happened. So uh, it is what it is uh, with Gruden. But I want to touch on this last section here, and I got to talk about this a little bit further in depth, but I'll make it as concise as I can regarding Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving, who is not part of the Brooklyn Nets roster at the moment, 
has opted to say he's not taking the vaccine because he wants to be the voice of the voiceless. I don't have time for this. Realistically, Kyrie Irving has continually done this throughout his career because he tries to take serious topics that are going on in the world that's impacting real people and make the story about him. Because when we were going through the George Floyd protests and we had the bubble, Kyrie Irving was the one saying we should not be playing at all. We there's too many other things going on. Eventually he backed down and still played. But the issue was, and actually Kyrie wasn't even playing, uh, to be honest, uh, the nets were out of it. But the thing of it is, is that while everything was going on, Kyrie never actually did any follow-up on that point as to what he was going to do to change things in terms of groups. He was aligning himself with, you know, whether or not he's going to, uh, be more of an advocate for gun violence or anything in terms of social justice reform, like coalition, anything he's for never did any follow up on that, but he wanted to make sure he got himself in the headlines and saying, you know, we really need to be uh, thinking about this further. So while he's been on this stance of not taking the vaccine, but saying that he's not anti-vax, he just wants to get more information. The fact of the matter is we've got over 700,000 people dead. The majority of which are in the minority communities. People who do not have had great access to medical care. And so while I am always skeptical of folks who listen to athletes for their information rather than actual experts, I find it incredibly insulting and downright dangerous for Kyrie to continue on this narrative of making stuff about him that are far and away so far out of its depth, it's not even worth discussing. But it feel the need to discuss it because there are actual people's lives being impacted because there are people willing to listen to your dumbass. And it's sickening. But I... I have to say it, it is dangerous and outright selfish for Kyrie to continue making these stories about himself when there are actual people being affected by this every single day. And you have someone like Carl Anthony Towns, the center for the Minnesota Timberwolves, who lost five members to COVID. And he, and while he... Also said, well, we all believe Kyrie is free uh, to do the personal choice of respecting his body. He's free to do that. But we don't want to hear your excuses about why you don't want to take the vaccine. That's on you. But when Kyrie says he wants to be the voice of the voiceless, what are you being an, an advocate for? Because... It's one thing to say you don't believe in anything people are telling you, but it's a whole nother thing to say, oh, well, we we really need to educate ourselves further. With what? 
we've been through, we've had enough vaccinations. We've had clinical trials. We've gone through everything. I, I don't understand at this point. If you don't want to do it, fine. Don't do it. But, but you're part of the issue that's holding everyone else back. But fine, you're, you're free to do so. But you keep going on about how everyone else is oppressing you by getting the vaccine and you not wanting to get the vaccine. That just makes you an asshole. Point blank. I, I, I can't. I, it's like I, I don't even want to like go into this any further. But I had to because I keep uh, having folks asking me why I won't speak out, uh, speak up against uh, Kyrie. Because it's aggravating. It, it, we shouldn't even be at this point. Point blank. But yeah, here we are. So th- that's my stance on it. I hope to talk about it as little as possible because, frankly, the Nets are well within their rights to bench Kyrie for the foreseeable future until he's vaccinated. Kyrie will still pick up his game checks for the road games because that's not in violation of uh, New York's mandate for vaccination to participate in indoor events. But of course, we won't hear anything about Kyrie donating uh, the road checks to causes of whatever it is that he's trying to be the voice of the voiceless of, because that's not the point for Kyrie. Because this is not a Kaepernick or Muhammad Ali situation where you're giving up something for something you believe in. This is about someone trying to make a story about him and taking a real life situation and contort it to make it about him. Which is the mo- about the most selfish thing you can do as a human being, in my opinion. But it is what it is. So that's all I got to say about that for Kyrie. Uh, you know, want to touch upon these uh, meal, uh, mailbag uh, questions because I've gotten enough uh, folks ask me about it. You know, if you got other takes, you're free to express it. Uh, maybe it might even make it on the show, but... Uh, email address again is fantasy throwdown podcast at gmail.com. That does it for, uh, the show. We have a showdown slate coming up tonight for uh, Thursday night football with the bucks and Eagles. I'll try to get to that with an episode as well, just with my thoughts on the game itself. And we'll go from there, but that's all for now. Have a good one, folks. Thanks for listening to the fantasy throwdown podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all other major outlets. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.